When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. uh, but look, Cinema is a Democrat, but she is in many ways upholding white supremacy. You and I both know what the filibuster was originally used for. I don't think I can roll my eyes hard enough, and you kind of just want to say, girl, bye. Build Back Better has not passed. Voting rights apparently not going to pass. And vaccine requirements that he likes are apparently illegal. What happened? The work of an administration continues after one year, and it will he will continue to press forward on all of those priorities. Okay, let me ask you about 2024. Do you believe that President Biden is up for the job. President Biden's running for re-election. I expect to support him. The, his approval ratings are some of the lowest that they've been. We've got a lot of time, a lot of work in front of us. Oh, but you only have probably less than a year yes. uh, before you lose both the Senate and the House. Ah, all the polls, bite your uh, the tongue. Are- it's because basically the train leaves the station only one time a year. But right now the train's not leaving the station at all. Now I'm going to turn it over to actually uh, make sure the train's on time here. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. KTSA News Times 511. And first of all, I want to thank you if you're still listening. I, you, you are a dedicated listener to this show if you're still with us at this point. I, I mourn the loss of many, but uh, if you're still here, thank you. Both of you. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... It's hard to sum up two hours, but I heard him say, and I think you did too, if you were listening to this whole Joe Biden news conference, um, I plan on being out there a lot more. Uh, The biggest thing that's going to change in year two of the Biden presidency is I'm going to hit the road and lead the messaging and get out there and be with people and get put myself in front of people, which is what he was doing today. And he was putting himself today in front of the most sympathetic, the most obsequious group of Americans you can find. The White House press corps is the coziest confines for a Democratic president. And he got angry at them. (laughs) That's That's like you yelling at your grandchildren, right? You're supposed to spoil them and coddle them and let them do anything because they're grandchildren. He was yelling at them. 
So I don't know whether to call it delusional or hopeless or incoherent, but I don't know how you could think, how he could think or how they could think that more of what we just heard is going to move the needle on issues or on popularity. I mean, can you help me understand that? Because it would be true that if, if a president was a, was a highly effective and charismatic communicator like Barack Obama or Ronald Reagan or Bill Clinton, yes, then you would say, hey, we got to get this guy out on the road. Joe Biden is none of those things. I mean, let's be honest here. We can disagree about issues, but come on, you can't really think, oh, if he does more of what he did today, people will come around. And I have a lot to say about this, and I know you do too, but we, we can't let the press corps off the hook. How the hell many questions do they ask about Ukraine? How many people will be talking about Ukraine around the dinner table tonight? No offense to Ukraine or Ukrainians. But is there any better proof of the disconnect between our media overlords and us? I mean, we're bleeding to death at the supermarket we're bleeding to death at the gas station we're bleeding to death in our paycheck ukraine 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 what about putin ukraine what about and let's talk about the answer the answer on ukraine was a minor incursion is one thing meaning okay but if he invades ukraine it'll be the most consequential thing to happen in the world since world war ii said joe biden I mean, I don't know. How do you describe that? How do you characterize that? He was asked, the first question he was asked, which seems like it was years ago now, it's just two hours ago, the first question he was asked was, did you overpromise? Did you overpromise as a candidate? And his answer was, no, I, I've outperformed. Now, if you think about what's going on right now, A lot of what he said today fell into the realm of, well, Democrats are going to Democrat and Republicans are going to Republican. But isn't it true, I mean, you tell me, isn't it true that a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden are no longer happy with him? You don't get to the kind of poll numbers he has. You don't get to the the unrest we have in the country. You don't get to 75% of Americans think we're on the wrong course unless he's lost the people who voted for him. His problem isn't with Republicans who never supported him to begin with, and yes, don't want him to be successful, and yes, of course, I get all that. His problem is he can't get all the Democrats to support him. He's losing support with the monolith groups in the Democratic base, like African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, college-educated women, suburban voters. He's losing all those. Those aren't people that are that were that were fated to be his opponents. They voted for him. Many of them did. The second question he was asked was, "Do you need to scale back all these big, huge government things you're doing?" And I thought it was interesting that he said no. But later on, when he was asked about, uh people perceiving government as incompetent he he gave an answer to the effect that government can't do everything now three you know three o'clock joe biden said government can do everything four o'clock joe biden said no not not so much 
This went on so long that his position on issues changed within the news conference. Think about that. Four o'clock Joe Biden could no longer remember what three o'clock Joe Biden had said. And then he was asked a question that's, I mean, all joking aside, this is some pretty serious stuff. He was asked pretty directly, I'm going to pull up here, and I want to have this in front of me so I have it right. Um, if Congress doesn't block the Republican, the state Republican voting reforms like we have here in Texas and Georgia and other places, uh, do you believe the upcoming election results will be legitimate? Now, if you're... If your version of events is that you took the place of a president who tried to overthrow democracy, that's Joe Biden's position. He saved us from Donald Trump. The only answer you can give to that question is, yes, I have faith in the integrity of America's election system. That is not what he said. He said it all depends. That's the Trumpiest answer he could possibly have given. Tell me how that's different from the answer Trump would have given. What did, what did these Biden voters give us? What have they wrought? I mean, if you voted for the guy and you watched this, you're not going to honestly tell me you feel good about this. I'm not blaming you alone, but we got to confront what we've done here. Jack Riccardi on San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 and 1071 KTSA. Um, I, I thought it was kind of comical. I, I, I know this is dark humor, but indulge me. I got an email, maybe you got it too, I got an email from CPS Energy uh, that basically said, uh, don't worry, um, it's not going to be like last February. You know, they got to stop with, <laughs> they got to stop with those, with those emails. That's like the excuse signs that we were talking about yesterday. Every time the weather gets cold, they're like, we're not going to blow it, we're good. So anyway... I'll feel better when they are so sure of themselves they don't have to announce that they're sure of themselves. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, that's going on. So we're waiting on some uh, potentially, definitely some cold weather. But the question mark is how much precipitation will be in that weather. If there's very little, then it'll just be cold. If there's substantial precipitation, then we're going to have kind of a messy uh, drive uh, probably during the day and into the evening uh, tomorrow and maybe even into Friday. So we're going to be on top of that. And again, Dennis will catch us up here in a few minutes. And we're going to be talking to our KTSA AccuWeather meteorologists. And we're coming off the the Joe Biden news conference, the marathon-length news conference. Um, it was it was so long. How long was it that the um, that the president had more than one position on some issues during the news conference? Um, and I, I'm, I'm thinking that they had probably planned to go about an hour, but it was at around the hour mark that he got really testy. And it was almost like he had something to prove, like, I'm going to stay out here longer. And that was a mistake. But the whole takeaway for me was, obviously I don't agree with him, you know, and I don't agree with his, his, his agenda, but just analyzing it from an effectiveness standpoint. So can I can I honestly say that I think he improved his prospects? No. Can I honestly say, based on what I saw, that if you put this guy in Air Force One and fly him all over the place, and you fly him into the 
the purple states and you fly them to West Virginia and you fly them to Arizona and you you get them up there with the mansion voters and the cinema voters. Are you telling me that that presentation or anything like it would be effective? I, I don't see how that is. I, I really don't. He, um, he actually declared at the beginning of the news conference, I am a capitalist, which was interesting. I don't know if that was planned or if that was ad-libbed, but do, do you believe that he is? I actually believe that he is. I don't believe, I don't think he believes in capitalism, but I'm quite sure Joe Biden himself is a capitalist. The Biden family is, uh, a, a business enterprise. What struck me about that statement, and it was really funny, is we've come to the point where the president of the United States, the center of capitalism, the greatest example or model of capitalism, has to tell us that he's a capitalist. I can't imagine any other president even having to say that. But that's where we are now. What did you think about the news conference? 210-599-5555. The only time Afghanistan came up was in the context of government competency. But Ukraine came up a lot. A lot about Ukraine. And... The president was asked a number of times, because this is the one-year anniversary, or technically tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of his term beginning. He was asked a lot about, you know, what, what are your reflections on, what was your analysis. He thinks, he says, he's done a fantastic job. What do you think? In fact, he thinks people are surprised at how much he's gotten done. Is that what you think? All right, so um, it was... It was long, it was laborious, it was at times incoherent, it delved into areas you did not expect it to delve into, including at one point an analysis of how the internet has changed news and what is going to happen to the cable news stations, or the cables as the president called them. I I mean, um, getting your thoughts on that. And I'm particularly interested in how he how he was offered up on a silver platter. Remember, all of these are underhand pitches. It's the White House press corps. He was offered up on a silver platter the question about election integrity in the midterms. The only correct answer to that is some form of, you know, some, the, the the presidential answer to that is, hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna hope for the best, and I believe in this country, and I believe in my fellow Americans. His answer was, well, we'll see. It depends. That was exactly the mindset they decried when Trump said it. When Trump would not guarantee, would not promise ahead of time to accept the integrity or results of an election, he was the worst person ever. Just that answer alone, they told us, did untold damage to democracy. I, I challenge you, Biden gave essentially the same answer. He just didn't do it in a Trumpy voice, but it was a Trumpy answer. So what what did we change here other than mean tweets? There were other things going on today uh, besides the uh, president's news conference. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of them here I think is interesting. Uh, probably, the, probably the wokest company in America, the most sort of self-consciously woke company in America is Starbucks the coffee chain based in Seattle. 
they have now memoed their employees that they are no longer requiring them to be vaccinated against COVID-19. And they referenced last week's ruling by the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court said that the Biden administration couldn't make employers require COVID testing or a vaccine. It didn't say that an employer couldn't require it. So this is interesting to me. Is Starbucks saying, we don't really believe our employees need it, we just thought we were going to be in trouble if we didn't require it? See, you would think a woke enterprise like this would would stay the course, would say, well, Supreme Court ruling or not, we believe in the vaccine. Very interesting how many companies came down off that position immediately. Immediately. And they're not the only ones in retreat. The Omicron variant itself is in retreat. David Leonhardt writing in the New York Times. The latest Omicron developments continue to be encouraging. New COVID-19 cases are plummeting in a growing list of places. The percentage of cases causing severe illness is much lower than it was with Delta. And vaccines remain effective in preventing hospitalization and death. So case numbers, which are not the best measurement anyway, but case numbers are falling in places like Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, down by more than 10% in Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania, may have already peaked in California. And the official COVID numbers probably understate the actual declines because test results are always a few days behind reality. And then hospitalizations usually lag case numbers. So those will eventually reflect the falling case numbers. And um, then there's this report from Israel. Uh, And the CDC also is saying, natural immunity outperforms vaccines against the Delta strain. Before Delta became dominant, says the CDC, individuals who had natural immunity were experiencing higher case rates than individuals who were only vaccinated. But after Delta took hold, those with natural immunity caught COVID-19 less frequently than those who were only vaccinated. Vaccinated Americans with a prior COVID infection fared the best during the Delta outbreak, says CDC on their Twitter account. Um, the president said today that uh, he thinks his administration in the first year on COVID, on foreign policy, on the economy, outperformed your expectations. Well, I don't know what your expectations were. Did, did he, has Joe Biden been a, a delight to you? Has, has he been an afternoon delight? Has he surprised you in a wonderful way? That's what he thinks. That's what he says. I don't know what he thinks, but that's what he says. He also said something interesting. He said he didn't anticipate the stalwart opposition of the Republicans. He did not anticipate that Republicans would hold together. You know what? I agree with him on that. I didn't think they would either. They usually don't. Republicans are usually in a big hurry to show you how well they can get along with Democrats. It's their favorite thing to do. And then he said, I think I know why. The president said during his news conference, I think I know why this is. 
He said, never before has one man out of office done so much to intimidate an entire party. And you know who he's talking about, right? He's talking about Trey Ware. No, he's, t- no, he's not. He's t- I, maybe he was. I don't think he was. He's talking about Donald Trump, right? Never before has one man out of office done so much to intimidate an entire party. Now, if you're Joe Biden, you don't like that. That's not a, that's a bug. Trump's got these Republicans scared. They, they, they'll walk the plank. They'll get a primary challenger if they don't hold together. It's not Mitch McConnell. He said a few nice things about Mitch McConnell, but he also said some kind of snarky things about him. He says, Mitch just wants me to look bad at every opportunity. That's Mitch's job is to do things to make me look bad. Never, never let me look good, he said about Mitch, cocaine Mitch. He said, Trump is the one holding the Republican Party together. Well, you know what, Mr. President? Trump is also the one holding the Democratic Party together. I mean, think about it. What else? He kept saying, what do the Republicans stand for? What are they for? Well, they're the opposition party, so actually being against what you're doing is normal. But I would argue that the Democrats have a hard time explaining what they're for. Like, if Trump had never existed, where would they be now? And how would they be organizing and rallying their base and raising money? I don't know if you get their fundraising uh, emails. I do for some crazy reason, because I've never given money to either political party, but somehow I'm on both parties' lists. Uh, and um, they never, never fail to mention Trump in the Democratic, in the DNC emails, and the DCCC emails. Never fail to mention so he's holding both parties together. He's making the whole thing work. Isn't it ironic? The guy that was the most disruptive factor in American modern American political history. I think you'll give him that, right? Whether you agree with him or not, whether you voted for Trump or not. The, the greatest disruptor we've seen in decades, right? He is actually holding both parties together. I think President Biden was right when he said that about the Republican Party, but I would say it's also true about his. I don't know how long that will last. And then he said, um, he was asked about the midterms. If you, if you can't pass federal legislation that federalizes these elections, if you can't wrestle control of them away from the evil state officials, uh, Will the results be legitimate? It's a set-up question because you have to say yes. If you're trying to be a statesman, if you're trying to be presidential with a capital P. But Biden said no. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. Depends, he said. So that's where we are right now, okay? Democrats are whipping up fear of rigged midterm elections. They're using that for their base. They're using that to pre-explain what might be a, a, a red wave election. And then it makes you wonder, well, what will they do if they truly believe these are illegitimate results? What will they do? And no one's asking them, really pinning them down on that. Like, well, so what does that mean? If they're, if they're illegitimate, what is, what do you do then? Will you, um, have a rally at the Capitol? Will you refuse to seat newly elected Republican senators and Congress critters? What will you do? It's big talk. Some big talk. 
It sounds a lot like the stuff President Trump was saying in 2019, 2020. 210-599-5555. Now, um, there was also some news about Donald Trump today. The Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, uh, says um, the Trump Organization, um, according to her investigators, uh, used their various companies and enterprises to mislead banks and mislead uh, taxing authorities. Fraudulent or misleading asset valuations to get loans and tax benefits. Putting fraudulent um, values on skyscrapers, hotels, and other properties. And they haven't decided how far they're going to go. The Trump Organization responded with a statement today saying the investigation is baseless and politically motivated. I don't know about you, but to me, it looks like... I, I don't know. Maybe they did these things. I don't know. I have no idea. It looks to me like they are really worried about him getting back into office. Not that they wouldn't go after him anyway. I'm not suggesting that... If, oh, if he just said he wouldn't run, they'll leave him alone. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I've heard people say that. It sounds crazy to me. I, I just think the opposite, though. I think I think they're so on the case. They're treating the Trump Organization like it's Al-Qaeda because they are so afraid that despite their rhetoric, despite the way that they've tried to reduce him, you know, verbally, he's a small man, he's a petty man, he's the worst president, he's, he's disgraceful, he's... The, Deep, deep down, he's 20 feet tall to them. I mean, everything they do belies the words they speak. The words they speak are, he's no, he's, he's nothing. We're done with him. He's history. Their actions say the opposite. Mitch McConnell's one job is to make sure I never look good. Well, Mitch, you're doing a hell of a job. You're doing a bank. Whatever we're paying you, it's not enough because he doesn't look good. I don't think it's all Mitch, though. Do you? Do you think it's all cocaine, Mitch? Because I, because <laughs> I think Biden is pretty good at making himself look bad. And I think if the people around him seriously, if this might all just be talk, but if they seriously think, well, we're going to turn the poll numbers around by put, put, putting him on the plane and getting him out there. We need more of what we had today. America wants more. Cowbell. If they really think that, this is going to be one hell of a year. He actually said he, that scores of Democrats are, are pleading with him to come and campaign with him. Let me tell you what's really happening. Stacey Abrams in Georgia, who has one issue, one issue, right? Uh, access to voting, suppressing the, the black vote. That's her only issue. He went to Georgia... She went nowhere near him. She was, she was on milk cartons when, when Joe Biden was in Georgia last week. That's her issue. That's what he came to talk about. They're not pleading with him to campaign with them. They're pleading with him to stay the hell away. No, I, I think what I need to do is get out there and get in front of the American people. Says so a guy who's been in politics for 47 plus years. People haven't seen enough of me. Now, if that was true, why wouldn't that also have been true during the 2020 campaign. 
Oh, well, Jack, COVID. Okay. You can keep believing that if you want. I think it was because if if the voters, even Democrats and independents, had seen a lot of what we saw today, <laughs> I just don't think it would have happened for them. I don't know. I don't think it would have. But if they think more of this is the prescription, well, have at it. 210-599-5555. Eric Swalwell, remember him? Says Republicans will never peacefully concede an election again. Boy, they do project, don't they? Everything they yell and scream about the other guy doing is what they do. He says if they win in 2022, they will never concede power again. So I guess that means the 2022 election will be the last election. Because if you refuse to concede power, you can't, you can't hold an election, right? And then Nina Turner is a Democrat in Ohio. She ran for Congress and she lost in the primary. Uh, she was on one of the, I think one of the uh, CNN shows. You know, kind of doesn't matter which one, right? Um, and she says that um, Biden needs to take it to the streets against cinema and mansion. She, he needs to take it to the streets. Previously, she had tweeted out to Joe Biden, gas up the jet, which today he promised to do. But now she says he needs to take it to the streets. Now, first of all, I think it's great that the Democrats are taking advice from somebody who couldn't win a primary in a Democratic district. By all means, these are definitely the people you should, you know, strategize with. But um, isn't that sort of like incitement? Take it to the streets. And by the way, I, I I could be wrong, but I would guess, I would gather, that Joe Manchin in his state of West Virginia, and Kirsten Cinema in her state of Arizona, probably know those streets better than anybody at the White House. And probably whatever you think of them and w- whatever you think of the, the stance they've taken, I think they know whether or not people have their back in their states. But if if you want to send a president in on Air Force One to explain to the voters that they don't really know what they're doing when they vote for cinema or they don't know what they're doing when they vote for Mansion, go ahead and give it a try. In my experience, most people in most states do not take their marching orders from Washington politicians. Politicians take their orders from Washington politicians But voters like to make their own decisions about the people they send to Washington. At least that's what I think is usually the case. So we'll see. But, uh, President, you're gonna, you're gonna be hearing and seeing a lot more of Joe Biden. If you didn't get enough today, there's a lot more to come in year number two. been trying to convince me that uh, I am uh, um, 
Bernie Sanders. I'm not. I like him, but I'm not Bernie Sanders. I'm not a socialist. I'm a mainstream Democrat, and I have been. By golly, dadgummit, he's been a mainstream Democrat since James Buchanan. Don't you forget it, you lying dog-faced pony soldiers. 646 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hey, speaking of politics, which we occasionally do, today's a big day in history. Guess what happened 18 years ago today? 18 years ago today was this moment in American political history. Cut number three. Listen to this. You guys, if you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> somebody told me, and I'm not, I'm not interested enough to check this out, but apparently somebody told me there's a whole documentary about that yell. And I, I think it gets overstated, to be honest, because people act like, well, if he hadn't done that, he'd be president today. Well, no, that's, that's not true. But, um, but he might have he gone further than he did, and he might have been the, the 2004 Democratic nominee, who, by the way, turned out to be John Kerry, a guy that would never make that noise. Uh, but yeah, that was Howard Dean, the governor of Vermont, 18 years ago today. Yes, absolutely. Howard Dean. You know, you think about it. Wouldn't it be nice if that was the kind of scandal we had in politics today? Oh, the guy screamed. I mean, it was a different time, right? Oh, he's toast. It's over. He made a weird noise. I don't even like him, but I mean, it's kind of quaint that that was politically disastrous just 18 years ago. I want to play this ad for you. This is a campaign ad for a man named Gary Chambers. He's running for the United States Senate in Louisiana. He's a Democrat. He's running against John Kennedy, the Republican senator uh, from Louisiana. The ad, well, the ad is 37 seconds long. And there's a reason it's exactly that length. Take a listen to this ad for a Senate candidate in Louisiana. Cut number two. Every 37 seconds, someone is arrested for possession of marijuana. Since 2010, state and local police have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws. Over half of all drug arrests. Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. States waste $3.7 billion enforcing marijuana laws every year. Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. I'm Gary Chambers, and I'm running for the U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. And in the ad, he has fired one up. He's... He's smoking one during the ad. So a lot of candidates are running on legalized marijuana or decriminalized marijuana. But he's <laughs> he's actually... So that's my point. 18 years ago, you make a funny noise. You can't be president. 18 years later, here I am, firing it up. Yeah! 
running for the Senate. By the way, I I don't think I would probably support Gary Chambers in general if I lived in Louisiana, but um, and this always makes people furious when I say this, but if you haven't heard me say it before, I do think that the general argument that we spend way too much money, way too much law enforcement on marijuana is true. I, I do agree with that. Um, I understand why that makes people uncomfortable. I understand why people would not want to go all in. I get all the concerns about, Jack, do you realize there'll be people driving around who will be high? That's happening now. Okay? I'm not sure what would be more dangerous, somebody driving around with a little buzz or somebody driving around with their face buried in their iPhone 11. Right? You know, pick your poison. But um, we... We probably are headed for some kind of decriminalization, legalization anyway. And the, the, the reason, if you really stop and think about it, the reason, if that sounds wrong to you, and I'm not trying to change your mind, we can respectfully disagree on this, but if that sounds wrong to you, bear in mind how much money and propaganda the government has spent, uh, vilifying, demonizing marijuana. It goes back a hundred years, and they didn't do it with alcohol. They didn't do it with a lot of other things, stimulants, things that distract people. They're not doing it with phones, but they did it with marijuana. On the JR poll question tonight was: Are you ordering the free at-home COVID tests from the government? Fifty-four percent said no. Forty-six percent said yes. I ordered them. I'm not sure when they'll show up, but. We may still have COVID when they do. I don't know. A little sad news here tonight before we go. The world's oldest man has died. They have a tendency to do that. Saturnino De La Fuente Garcia was 112 years and 341 days, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. He died at his home. You know, those Guinness Book people are stone-cold killers, aren't they? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean you're, once they recognize you... You're as good as gone. Poor guy. Never had, once they recognized him as the oldest man in the world, he never had a chance. See you back here tomorrow night at 4.